Hey tryhards, Ethan here. Before we get into the show today, I want to talk to you guys about Patreon. Patreon is a donation service, a monthly subscription service where you donate money to me to support the show, to support uh, the growth of it, whether that means merchandise or more podcasts or other things of that nature. And I would really appreciate if you guys would be willing and able to give just a little bit of whatever extra money you may have. Because while the show will always be free for everyone to listen, um, the way to make it isn't. And I'm in college, and things are expensive. So I'd appreciate any little amount that you're able to give. So thank you for donating, and thank you even more for listening. Hello, my name is Ethan Hewlin. Like you, I live in a world that never stops moving. Also like you, I have stories. These are my stories. The true stories of a tryhard. Welcome back to True Stories of a Tryhard. I am Ethan Hewlin, and this week it is part two of my series on coping mechanisms. If you haven't checked out part one, go ahead and check that out. Uh, should be in your feed just above or below this one, however you uh, delegate that. Um, in the meantime, let's jump right back in. All right, so something else I've talked about before and something that is also a really good coping mechanism uh, is being able to uh, maintain a balanced diet, whatever that looks like for you. Now, I know that I need to eat as much vegetables as I do for the uh, entree for whatever I'm eating, uh, just so my body can maintain a, well, this may be too much information, but a regular in and out flow just to keep my digestive system going. I know that probably sounds gross, uh, at least a little bit, but I know that's what I need personally. Uh, this article from Harvard that I'm reading says that um, a, a typical, quote, traditional diet, something like a, a Mediterranean or Japanese, have um, lower risks of depression, up to 35%, uh, because they tend to be higher in foods like vegetables, fruits, unprocessed grains, fish, and seafood, and not as much um, lean meats or dairy, and they stay away from processed foods and refined sugar, which are something that those of us who live in the quote-unquote Western world consume probably too much of, and I'm not excluding myself from that. I do love a nice bowl of ice cream on a Friday night, but it's not something that I make a habit of eating on a daily basis because I know that it's not good for me. Uh, the foods that I mentioned earlier like uh, vegetables and fruit and unprocessed grains and things like that uh, also have um, another effect which they limit the amount of inflammation in your body and that's what uh, processed foods and sugar do is that they, they inflame uh, your cells. And I, I don't pretend to be an expert in this. I'm just the messenger for other people's work. Uh, if you want to know more, I highly encourage you to read these studies for yourself. 
but because of the effect food has on your body with, um, according to my sources, about 95% of serotonin, that's one of the other happy hormones produced in your body, is produced in your gastrointestinal tract, you should probably pay attention to the food you eat and be aware of the effect that it not only gives you in the moment, but also long term. And I, this is just me spitballing, but a lot of people have more concern with how it affects them now than how it will affect them later. And I can get into that at a different time, that's just my personal opinion. Speaking of personal opinions, uh, the next coping mechanism I'm going to be talking about is engaging or pleasurable or fun activities every day. Now I know we all need to work a certain amount to either make money or get grades or things like that, but as the saying goes, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Adjust the phrasing to your preference. Though I am technically an adult, there are people out there who have been adults for a lot longer than I have, and some of these adults, not going to say who, because I honestly don't know, have grown to look on play or fun as being a childish activity in that um, adults need to do serious things all the time, when that's not actually true. And adults engaging in play can be really good for them. Um, they can uh, stimulate your mind and boost creativity. They can improve relationships and connection with other people, and keep people feeling young and energetic. I don't know about you, but I have seen a growing presence of coloring books for adults, things that have, um, they're a bit more complex than something you would give to, say, a five-year-old, uh, like very intricate patterns and kind of a paint-by-numbers deal, but those are still a way to stimulate your brain in ways that a quote-unquote work environment wouldn't and gives you something to look forward to. Uh, like for me, uh, the New York Times has a daily crossword puzzle on their app. Uh, it's actually its whole app. And I do it every day. Not the whole thing, because that requires money that I don't have. Um, I do what's called the daily mini. It's a simple 5x5 five five crossword puzzle, and it never takes a long time, but it takes me about one to two minutes every day, and that's something that I look forward to. And it stimulates my brain and gives me just a little little bit of a fun brain break. I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, and, oh, crossword puzzles are for old people. No, not necessarily. They can be for anybody. That's just how I choose to... Uh, keep my uh, brain muscles moving and trying to figure out uh, what's a five-letter word for the letter B in chemistry, which is, by the way, boron, which I'm sure those of you who took high school chemistry may have already known. I did. Uh, but I digress. Uh, the next coping mechanism I'll be talking about, because I couldn't think of a good segue, is meditation, yoga, prayer, or progressive muscle relaxation. Now, 
For those of you who have listened to this show for a while, you might know that I do meditation every night before I go to sleep. That doesn't always work out for some people. Some people do it when they wake up to get them ready for the day. Some people do it whenever they need to just to calm their nerves. Guilty as charged. Um, But most consistently, I do it before I go to sleep because it enables a better overall sleeping experience for me. If you want to hear my thoughts about sleep, check out the previous episode. I know they don't sponsor me yet, but I would love a sponsorship from Headspace because that is the app I use to meditate. Um, They've been very helpful um, throughout um, my probably four years doing this consistently um, with occasional off-the-road tracks here and there, but uh, I've been doing it off and on for uh, four years since I was a sophomore in high school. When my mom first started doing it, or at least when she first started telling me about it. And at first I was kind of um, a little bit um, not exactly receptive to the idea. Um, I wasn't sure that I really needed to do it uh, because of the whole stigma that, in my opinion, was around meditation of, you know, sitting, crossing your legs, holding your hands and a certain position and repeating words over and over again, or sounds in some cases. That's what I thought meditation was. And that's true in some cases, but not all. Um, I'm not going to discredit people who do that because that's not fair to them. But what I will say is that having, um, having not done this for very long, having a guide is very helpful and guided meditation apps are very helpful in general, or I'm sure you can find some on YouTube for free. But meditation is one of the ways that I've been able to control my anxiety a bit better because I have found that I am most vulnerable to being more anxious when I am about to go to sleep. And that's when I start thinking about things and when I'm left alone with my thoughts, bad things happen. Meditation's also been a way for me to get to know myself better on a physical level, which is something I never thought I would say. Like, because of meditation, I'm really able to, um, this is an exercise that I do um, sometimes, depending on the day. Uh, Part of the meditation that I do is I scan mentally from um, the bottom of my feet, up through my legs, chest, and arms, all the way through my neck and the top of my head, just to see how each of those body parts are currently feeling. If some of them are uh, in pain, or if some of them are aching, some of them are relaxed. And then after I do that, I mentally turn them off. So that way, I don't have to worry about them being quote-unquote on while I'm sleeping. But one of the most common reasons people do this is to uh, relieve stress, and that's where those, uh, what I'm going to call them, emergency meditations come in. Uh, Like right before you give a big presentation or you're about to do something you've been really nervous about, that's when those... um, 
those really come in handy and it's another benefit of meditation to kind of calm your nerves and those breathing exercises are able to calm you down so you're at least going to have a better time uh, responding to the challenges ahead of you and lastly something that is a uh, positive coping mechanism is the avoidance of caffeine and alcohol now Something about me that some of you may know, some of you may not, is that I don't drink coffee. I like it. I just choose not to take it. That makes it sound like medicine. I choose not to drink it um, because I don't want to be addicted to it. I believe too many people are and that not enough people are able to um, depend on something that isn't a hot brown liquid to start their internal processes every day. If I do need caffeine, I normally get it from tea, um, like a black tea or a green tea. Those are the ones that I like the most. Um, but the avoidance of caffeine is something that I really think uh, has has continued to help me because Another reason I don't drink coffee, besides my whole stance on too many people need it to get through their day, is that it makes my anxiety worse. It just accelerates the processes of um, what my brain is already doing, and not always in a good way. Now, have I drank coffee the night before a big test? Yes. Has it benefited me? Yes. But... The use of it sparingly is something that I I kind of see as a point of pride. Um, that's probably not a good thing, um, but I see it as a point of pride that I don't need a substance to get my day started, which might rub some people the wrong way, and I'm sorry if that's you, but that's just my personal opinion. Alcohol, on the other hand, um, I've done a relatively good job of avoiding alcohol. It is not something I partake in very much, though by United States law I'm still under drinking age, but that does not mean that I've never had it. I have. Um, my, my mom, specifically, she had me start trying things within our house around the time, um, probably around that same time as when I started meditating when I was uh, 16, 17 years old, because that's how they do it in Europe. And she thinks that that's a good way to get kids used to that instead of being really controlling and saying, this is the law and I'm not going to, f um, I'm not going to bend the rules for you to quote her it was so that i didn't go um what was the phrase she used ape shit whenever i got to college um seems to have worked at least to me it has so yeah i know what i like and i know that it is something that is only reserved for every once in a while now alcohol um is a depressant, whereas caffeine is a stimulant. 
which means they do two different things. Anxiety makes you more depressed, it slows down your bodily functions, lapses your judgment, and that sort of thing. But as I alluded to earlier, caffeine just speeds up all the processes that are happening in your body. It actually produces adrenaline, um, making everything go at a million miles an hour. And so avoiding those extremes is, like I said last episode, a good way to maintain balance. And balance is key in a lot of things. So if you take nothing else away from today, just make sure that you are maintaining healthy coping mechanisms excuse me, and a healthy, balanced lifestyle. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week to True Stories of a Tryhard. You can find me on Instagram at ethan.t.hewlin. That is H-U-L-E-N. You can find me on Twitter at etphonehome. The O's are zeros, the E's are threes. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at truestoriespod. The best way to get the word out about podcasts is via word of mouth and social media. So please, please, please share this with your friends, share it on your social media, and if you post it in some way and tag me, you will get featured on the official podcast accounts. And please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I would very much appreciate it. I'll be back with more stories next week. So until then, this is Ethan Hewlin signing off.